scripture is from Ephesians 2, uh, verses 11 through 13. Uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. <clears throat> Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Well, if you're visiting with us, we are delighted to have you this morning. Sometime back, I had determined I was not going to pay much attention to the news anymore or read the news anymore or anything like that, and I failed to live up to that promise. I can't, hardly can help myself. I like to know what's going on in the world. So periodically, I'll turn to the news and I'll see what's happening in the world, and I'll look, and, and without fail, you come across some folks who uh, are in the entertainment industry, and you... Uh, read a headline, something about them, and and every once in a while I'll click on that headline or I'll read that paragraph or uh, that piece in the in the, the paper or whatever the, the case may be, and I'll read a little bit about what's going on. Well, what I have found is that these people, for the most part, seem to have a whole lot of something missing in their lives. They have a whole lot of something that they wish was in their lives, but they haven't got it. And have you ever thought or spoken the words, no hope? Have you ever thought, no hope? Those are powerful words, aren't they? Those are words that no one wants to speak or think or have anywhere near their own lives, this idea of no hope. I believe that probably most people at some point in their lives, whether they actually realize that it was a true statement or not, have thought those words, no hope. Now, whether it was really a hopeless situation or not, uh, that depends on the person, depends on the situation, but if you feel like that, then to you it is a hopeless situation, or at least you feel like it is, and... But most people have seen the light at the end of the tunnel. Most people have worked their way through the darkness, they've worked their way through the forest, and they've come out on the other side without anything absolutely terrible happening to them. That doesn't mean you didn't come out with a few bruises or skint knees or scars or something like that, but you did come out on the other side, and you came out probably having learned a few things. You came out... Uh, knowledgeable on what not to do. I talked with a businessman one time and he said, you know, I don't know if I can tell you what to do in business, but I can certainly tell you what not to do. And I thought, well, that's probably some pretty good advice. You know, we've discovered life was still worth living. Those of us who may have at one time or another felt this idea of no hope. We discovered that there were people who we loved and who loved us and we found the answer to the problem or the key that unlocked the door or whatever the case may have been. But have you ever wondered 
why there are still people in the world who weren't able to figure that out. Have you ever looked across the world and you've looked at people who you thought, man, they have no reason to be upset about anything. Look what they've got in this world and then they are the ones who go out and do something silly or something tragic and you think, why in the world did they do that? Why were they not able to come to the understanding that there is a light at the end of the tunnel or there is a path through the forest, there is a key to the lock, there's a knob on the door, you can walk through it if you look hard enough, and that there is hope, there is never a case where there's no hope. The answer is they just did not recognize that There was the reality of something better. But here is the problem. Stuff isn't the answer. Material things are not the answer. And you look around the world and you see wealthy entertainers or you see people who have a lot of stuff. And it seems to me that those are the folks who have this big hole in the middle of their lives, in the middle of their souls. And and they're trying to fill that up with something. And really what they've got is no hope. Do you remember the TV show Different Strokes? I remember that when I was a young person. There was a a girl played on that show. She was the older sister, and I don't remember her name on the show, but her name was Dana Plato. And when that show came to an end, it's just like her life came to an end, and she tried all sorts of things. She went into uh, pornography. And in 1999, she killed herself with a drug overdose. And about 10 years later, her son killed himself on the exact same day that she killed herself. Of course, we remember Robin Williams in 2014. What about Marilyn Monroe in 1962? You would have thought she had the world at her fingertips and she was married several times. And when they found her dead, she had a lethal dose of of prescription drugs in her system. What about... Actor Freddie Prince. Do you remember him, Chico and the Man? I can remember that show when I was when I was a child. He died. He killed himself. He shot himself in 1977. He was 22 years old. He was the the big star at that time. 22 years old. He he had no hope. He had no hope. That's why he shot himself. What about Margot Hemingway? Do you remember Margot Hemingway? She became kind of a cult figure. And I think it was about 1976, when she was seven years old, her great-grandfather, Ernest Hemingway, killed himself. They had a problem in that family. Well, she later on killed herself. One day after the 35th anniversary of her grandfather, great-grandfather killing, having killed himself. Do you remember George Reeves? I used to watch those Superman reruns on TV. He was really the first Superman in my mind. In 1959, he shot himself. Do you know why he shot himself? Because he was typecast. He was typecast. He couldn't get a job in Hollywood anymore because he was typecast as Superman. I watched a documentary on him one time. Boy, he lived in some of the nicest homes. Died in a, in a mansion having shot himself because he was typecast. He had a terrible life. But you know what he did? He really had no hope. He had no hope. See, you get in the mind of some of these folks and you look at what they've got on the outside and you say, what in the world is their problem? Well, the problem is they have no hope. That's the problem. All the stuff in the world doesn't change that. All the stuff in the world doesn't fill up that emptiness on the inside and change that from them having no hope. 
Many people in the world take their own lives or live miserable lives because in their minds they have no hope. Now, one aspect of that is true. I don't think there's ever a time when someone can say there's no hope, but one aspect of that is true. There is no hope when you do not have God in your life. Without God in your life, there is no hope. Without the underlying belief in Christ Jesus, His sacrifice for humanity, the gift that He gave the world, the greatest gift mankind has ever been given, humanity has the answer, they have the key to the lock, they have the pathway through the forest, They have the light at the end of the tunnel. He is the hope, but without Him there is no hope. And that's the emptiness that is in someone. That's the emptiness that will eat you alive. That's the darkness that will consume you. Without Him there is no hope. Even if someone has all those beliefs, even if they truly believe, even if they are a New Testament Christian, but they have chosen something over God, there is no hope whether it's drug or alcohol use or any other thing that separates one from God, whether it's money or things or time or or whatever, there is no hope. Just as those folks that we've talked about this morning, they were without hope in this world because they didn't have God in their lives. They had a lot of things in their lives, but they didn't have what counted. Sometimes we can find ourselves in positions where we feel like there's no hope, but there's always hope if we have ourselves in the right relationship with God, if we're willing to submit to God and do the things that He's asked us to to do. God has provided for us all things, Peter said, that pertain unto life and godliness, 2 Peter 1, 3. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And from time to time we need to be reminded of the hope that we have. We need to be reminded of what it is uh, on which it is founded and what the result that we can have in God. To do that, I want us to examine Paul's statements to the church of Christ in Ephesus. Now, I want us to do it in in a little different way. I want us to determine why that church had no hope at one time. Because at one time they were without hope. And if we can determine why they were without hope, we can make that application to our lives and we can avoid that, right? It's kind of like the businessman said, I don't know if I can tell you what to do in business, but I can certainly tell you what not to do. And let's look at it like that from that aspect in one way, okay? I've entitled the sermon this morning, The Reasons for No Hope. And I want us to begin with the first reason the Ephesians at one time had no hope. They had no hope at one time because they had no home. They had no home. That's our first point. Paul told those folks to remember. He told them to remember. He wanted them to look back into their lives and remember. That's a good idea, isn't it? That's a good idea. We need to always look back and remember. Where did we make mistakes? Where did we do well? Make that application to our lives. Remember where we failed, let's not do that again. Remember where we did well, and let's try to repeat that, right? We do that in all aspects of life, and we need to certainly do that in our Christian lives. You know, national and racial backgrounds of other saints are of no concern to us. It has nothing to do with the church of Christ, the New Testament church we read about in the New Testament. It has absolutely no concern to anyone. 
See, that wasn't the case at one time, was it? No notice is taken of such distinction by us as we teach the gospel. That Christians don't care. Christians don't care. I've been all over the world, it seems like. I, I like I like going from uh, uh, southern Sumatra to India, going west, having uh, circled the globe. And I have come into contact with people of just various different races. And you know what the differences that stuck out in my mind? Differences regarding the gospel. They didn't care what my race was. I didn't care what their race was. Because that doesn't matter. What matters is Christ. I've spoken to people that never heard that name. That was, uh, that was odd to me. I didn't think I would ever run into anyone who'd never heard the name Jesus. But we didn't care what we looked like. Now they thought I was odd looking, no doubt about it. They saw someone that was so light skinned and they, they liked to stare at me and, and I thought that was kind of humorous. But that, beyond that, that, they didn't care. But it was the message that I was speaking that they were interested in hearing. But see, it didn't used to be that way. At one time, the Ephesians, who were Gentiles, were not part of the commonwealth of Israel. They were not attached to the Israelite nation. They didn't have a covenant relationship. Now, they were bound by the laws of God. They had to obey the laws of God. But they were not in a covenant relationship with Israel. They were called the uncircumcision. Under the gospel system, there's no spiritual significance to either the circumcised or the uncircumcised. That's good for us because we're Gentiles. We're Gentiles. Thank God for that, right? The Gentile nation was known for their excessive life and their disobedience to God. We just talked about that for these folks who had no hope. Do you think there's a correlation? The Gentile nations had no hope because they were disobedient to God. They didn't want to obey God's message. They had God's laws, but they didn't want to attach themselves to God's people. See, those people we spoke of earlier who took their own lives, they could be described in the same manner. But we better always be recognizing what our previous relationship with God was before we obeyed the gospel. We need to be able to look into our past and appreciate what God has given to us and where He's brought us to. He, he brought us out of the darkness into the light. He is the light at the end of the tunnel. He is the path through the forest. He is the key to the lock. He is the door if we will knock on it. Right? That's what He is. Without the gift of life from God through the sacrifice of Jesus, we would never have hope in this life. But now we have a home. And we need to remember that, right? They had no hope because they had no home. And Paul encouraged them to remember their rebellion was the cause they had no home. They could have had a home. Everyone can have a home with God if they will not rebel against God, right? Their rebellion prior to obeying the gospel is described first as without Christ. Without Christ. Without Christ, we are in rebellion, whether we realize it or not. 
whether we realize it, they were on the outside of Christ, separated from all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1.3. Every soul in time and eternity who is outside of Christ is lost. Everyone who has ever lived who is outside of the law of God under which they lived at that time is lost. Over the last 2,000 years, anyone who has ever lived who has chosen to be on the outside of Christ outside of those spiritual blessings, is lost and has been lost. Just the examples of those people that we have mentioned points to that very fact. That's just a handful of folks. Those are just prominent people, right? Those people who make the news. How many people don't make the news? How many people uh, that, that we don't even know about? People that are just people. How many people go into eternity every single day not prepared? That's why, as a congregation, we're doing what we're doing with with our newsletter, right? And we're only reaching out to five thousand, uh, approximately five thousand homes. That's all we can do with this at one time, five thousand at a time. It's all the post office allows us to do. That's just a drop in the bucket, isn't it? How many people go into eternity unprepared? It's heartbreaking and sad because a person doesn't have to go into eternity unprepared. Rebellion against God always ends in punishment. Every single time for the wages of sin is death. That's what Paul told those in Rome. Throughout the Bible, that's the case. When Christ warned His disciples... Matthew 10, beginning with verse 32, he said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whosoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Christ's denial of the unfaithful will always result in punishment. At one time, those in Ephesus had no home. That causes no hope. Because they were out without Christ. And that led to their having no hope in this world. That led to no hope. The second description Paul gave of their condition prior to obeying the gospel was they were called strangers. So they go from having no home to no hope. And they're called strangers. Who wants to be a stranger from God? Well, most people in today's world says, well, I don't care. I don't even believe in God. That's not going to last long. That's not going to last long. Someone told me one time we were talking about a particular individual who was an avowed atheist, and he went on to to his reward. And the person I was talking to, and, and he said this with all sadness in his heart, he said he knows better now. He knows better now. And that's sad that a person goes into eternity having despised God, having ridiculed God his whole life only to meet God face to face knowing that there's no going back. And he is a stranger. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. An alien is one who is not a citizen, you see. A citizen. Now, we're talking about in our time the spiritual commonwealth of Israel. 
We don't want to be an alien. We don't want to be someone who's not a citizen. See, in our nation today, we have a problem with, with, with uh, uh, people coming into our nation who should be coming into our nation, coming in illegally. See, that they, they are not citizens. We used to call them illegal aliens. They call them something else now. But what uh, Paul is talking about is that's what a stranger is, right? That's what a stranger is, someone who is an alien, an alien from the commonwealth, right? Thankfully, the law of Christ took away that separation of Jew and Gentile. Went from no home. Because of that, you have no hope. You're a stranger. Israel had been blessed with the oracles of God. They had that covenant relationship. But you know what they also had? A very long history of disobedience, Acts 7, 51 through 53. A very long history of disobedience. So we can't just look to the nation of Israel and say, boy, they were just this great institution. They were given the oracles of God, but they, they were not what God needed them to be. But it was much easier for the Jews because they were the keepers of God's Word. So they much more was expected from them, right? Much more was expected from them. But the Gentiles were responsible for following God's commandments as well because they had access to God's Word. God spoke to them. God gave them His message. We go back to their being told to remember it was much harder for them prior to Christ's coming uh, to be pleasing because, to God because they didn't have that easy access but they still had access to what God wanted them to do. God doesn't expect us to know what He wants unless He tells us. So we know that He told them what He expected, but they were strangers. They chose not to be a part of God's people. They had access. In God's law, He made provision for the stranger in the gate. He made provision for the proselyte. They could have become part of God's people or could have attached themselves to God's people in some way. But they didn't want to do that. Because they were strangers to God, they were stripped of hope. They were stripped of hope. Now we see that's by choice. Let's go back to some of these folks we were talking about. You find something to fill a, a, an emptiness in your life. You choose that thing, right? Whether it's stuff or this or that. It's anything other than what God wants it to be. Who makes that choice? The person makes that choice, right? And through that choice, the wrong choice is made, and because of that, one is stripped from, with, from hope. Sometimes there is no hope through the choices we make. Paul said before becoming Christians, they were strangers to the covenants and promises of God. Now, if we go back to the actual state of Israel, they were born Gentiles. They, didn't, they weren't in that covenant relationship, but again, they could have attached themselves. They could have become a proselyte. They could have become a stranger in the gate. They just did not have the covenant relationship with God, right? The promise that was given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob at that time. Now, that promise was was going to bless the whole world eventually. But at that time, they didn't have access to it. However, those who followed God's universal laws, Paul said, were a law unto themselves, Romans 2, 14 through 15. 
Again, they were bound by God's laws. They were bound by God's laws. There's no excuse ever to not follow God's laws. There were Gentiles who sought after God during the time of the old law, uh, such as the wise men of Matthew chapter 2. They sought after God's law. So what about those men? Well, they didn't want to be a stranger to God. They didn't want to be in rebellion to God. They didn't want to be homeless. They didn't want to be without hope. They wanted to be a part of God's people. Humanity has a history of surviving the harshest conditions, but only when there is some shred of hope. You have to have hope, right? Hope has the power to to stimulate and keep us going, doesn't it? If we think we can make it, if we see a glimmer, humanity has within themselves the ability to continue and to fight. But here's the sad part. There is no hope for those outside of Christ. For those who are outside of Christ, who are dead and empty on the inside, we talked about a few of those folks. What ends up happening to them, by and large? Terrible things. They may even kill themselves. They may go off into into something and put themselves in danger in some other way. Lifestyles that one may choose can be very dangerous, right? It can bring all sorts of terrible things into a person's life. Those to whom Paul wrote were enjoying the promises made to Abraham because Christ gave himself. At one time they had no home. At one time they had no hope, but let's not end on that. Let's not end on no hope. Because of Christ, they were given a new hope. That's our third and our last point. Having described their former condition with strong language, Paul then affirmed their present state was to be highly exalted. Before they were afar off, but then Christ changed all of that. He came in the form of a man. The Messiah appeared. They'd been looking for that. The Jews had been looking and searching. They didn't want Him when He showed up. They ignored Paul's message, so he went to the Gentiles. Peter described for us the preciousness of his gift. 1 Peter 1, beginning with verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, Christ's sacrifice was not a temporal thing only to last for a short period of time. It was an eternal gift. It was a gift that shined a light into the darkness. It was a gift that would plant a seed into the emptiness of a person's soul and then there would grow the faith that would fill a person up. It would give them the hope that would make that person look to something greater. For without hope it is impossible to please Him. See, that's what hope and faith gives us that that keeps us going. Gives us something on which to hold and on which to look. All the things of this world will one day come to an end. If we're looking to grab onto something this world provides, 
not going to last very long. All the gold and the silver Peter talked about. All the things that we have that, that a person can fill his life up with. And those things are great. God gave them to us in this life to enjoy and to have. And, and you know, there's nothing greater for me to look out and see a Christian who's in business or in, in something else who, who is honest and doing well and behaving like a Christian. I love to see those people do well in this life and to have those earthly possessions. But see, those Christians aren't hanging their hats on those things. Those are just the byproducts of being faithful to God and God having blessed their hard work. But all of those things that those people had that we talked about, and they were wealthy. They were wealthy and they had them. They didn't mean anything. And you know what they have now? They don't have any of those things. All those things are gone. But see, those weren't the first people that that happened to. We can go all the way back in history. We can talk about the rich man and Lazarus. How the rich man had all the things of this life that he could have ever wanted, dressed in purple, ate sumptuously every day, and then it was all taken away. The rich fool who had all those barns that he had to tear down and build bigger barns and he was going to eat, drink, and be merry and and rest and and look out and, and, and have all those wonderful things and then all of a sudden it was taken away. We can go back further in time to Genesis chapter 6 and all those people who were were having parties and were marrying and giving in marriage and all of a sudden it was just all stripped away from them and now they have nothing. They don't have that to hang on to because, like Peter said, those things are temporary. And at some point, they're going to be burned up. The very atoms that make those things are going to be melted away and be gone. And if that's what we're holding on to, there is no hope. No hope means no home, no hope for anything, right? Christ changed all of that and His words also bring us close to Him. I always go back to to John 14. Those are some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. And you hear those a lot at gravesides, don't you? It's, It's a shame. When I think of that, I think of sad times, but we shouldn't do that. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and gather you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's full of hope. That's a new hope. See, that's what the Ephesians had. And that's what we can have. But see, you have to be a part of the family to have that, right? And the Ephesians, thankfully, were part of the family. They had some problems. Most families have a little problem here and there, don't they? But they can straighten it out. Because Christ brings us close. Paul said, For y'all, the sons of God, through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. That's how you become part of the family. And when we're obedient to Christ, He remains close by our sides. The writer of Hebrews said, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. 
For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13.5 Christ stood by Paul in times of great difficulty. If anyone ever had an opportunity to say there is no hope, everyone left him, everyone forsook him. 2 Timothy 4.17 It was Paul. But he didn't do that. Paul knew there was hope. Paul knew there was hope. Christ never left him. He was always there. But only because he laid claim to the crown. He knew where the new hope was. He wasn't looking for something of temporary value. He was looking for something of eternal value. There are a lot of people in this world who have no hope, but it's because they reject God. That never needs to be the case in Christ Jesus. We have hope of eternal life. It's a beautiful life. And if we have that, this life becomes easier to navigate. When one has no hope, this life becomes hard to navigate. I once was doing a study on suicide because I never could hardly wrap my mind around how a person could do that. And, and I heard it explained one time by someone who had survived that. And they said, people don't understand the idea behind suicide. He said, no one wants to commit suicide, even those who do it. But he said, it's like this. You're in a, you're in a burning building on the, on the 20th floor. And the flames are behind you and you have two feet between you and those flames and you're about to be burned alive and then you have a window. And that window's your only escape, but you're 20 floors up. So what are you going to do? Are you going to stand there and be burned alive? That's your life. That's how you see life. Or are you going to go out the window to get away from the fire? That's no hope. So maybe we can see that in the lives of these people who have centered their lives around something that gives no hope. You see, what the Christian has is a new hope. And that's what we want to teach other folks. There's nothing greater than the fellowship that exists between those of like, precious faith. That comes with the new hope. The writer of Hebrews said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When we long for the heavenly home, and we have that reasonable expectation of being able to gain it, we have hope in this world. If you have need to answer this Lord's invitation... If you've never obeyed the gospel, do that. We talked about how to do it. If you need to come back through repentance and prayer and confession, do that as we stand and as we sing.